There is a subtle but dangerous idea that has crept into people's minds over the last few decades, and I've seen it more and more recently. At first, you may take offense to this view, but stick with me because it'll all make sense. It's the idea, made popular in many memes and heartfelt posts or even speeches by famous leaders, that we are all children of God. Now on face value, it seems true because it tickles our emotions and makes us feel warm inside. Yet through a deeper look, we'll find that there is a great cost to believing such a thing. Now, the reason this idea seems true, that we're all children of God, is because most people are familiar with the book of Genesis. Even if you don't read the Bible, you know that it talks about Adam and Eve, a creator, and being made in his image. So, it seems fair and right that we're all children of God, right? As usual, most people stop here and allow the clever sleight of hand that the enemy has done to continue without questioning its grievous implications. Today, I want to help sharpen your spiritual eyes so that you're not so easily convinced by the world's version of theology. Here's a simple question that anybody can answer. If two children have the same parent, are they siblings? The answer is, of course, yes, they are brothers or sisters. This physical reality is a typification of the spiritual reality we have in Jesus as, quote, brothers and sisters in Christ. A brother and a sister have the same parent, just like a brother and sister in Christ have in common their faith and love for Jesus. To be a brother or sister with someone in the physical sense requires that you share blood, and to be a, quote, brother or sister with someone in Christ, in a spiritual sense, requires that you share in the blood of Jesus. What this means is very important. Brotherhood and sisterhood are inextricable from fellowship. If I call someone a brother or sister, this is not a light word to throw around casually. It's an indication of a deep understanding, a deep connection, and fellowship around common beliefs and attitudes. This is why you should always observe others in positions of authority and who they refer to as their brothers. They can tell you quite a lot. With that in mind, the Apostle Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14, that light has no fellowship with darkness. If your biological brother or sister killed your parent, you would disown them as siblings regardless of their common DNA. In the spiritual world, those who reject and mock Christ cannot possibly have fellowship with those who obey and love him. The one who sees he is nothing without the Savior cannot possibly call the one who finds the cross foolishness a brother. Throughout history, there is one thing certain, and that's that evil exists and is very prevalent in our world. Unspeakable acts of evil and atrocity have been committed because man has rebelled against God. Yet despite this, God's plan of salvation has moved forward unimpeded and complete. Yet because of this ongoing spiritual battle, there are inevitably two sides, the light and the dark. What side we belong to is determined by God's grace pouring out in our lives. And the sobering reality is that God's grace is not poured out into every single heart. In fact, most people in history did not receive God's grace, but rather remained in rebellion. This alone should make us grateful for our relationship with the Lord, because we could have easily remained one of these lost souls ourselves. Why all of this is important is actually very simple. 
we must always ask ourselves what do our beliefs say about Christ if we accept them. If you believe that everyone is a child of God, then what you're saying is that everyone is your brother and sister, and therefore you have fellowship with everyone. But is this what we want to say? Or is this what we should say? The answer I will encourage you to find is no, and for a very good reason. First and foremost, Jesus never called the Pharisees his brothers. They blasphemed him and disrespected him every chance that they got, and they could care less about his words. In fact, there's a famous interchange in John chapter 8, verse 44 through 45, where he tells them that their father is the devil. They were bragging about their lineage to Abraham, which is a physical reality. And he told them the truth, that their spiritual lineage was to the devil himself. Do you think the Pharisees considered themselves brothers with Jesus? Or that Jesus considered the Pharisees children of God and therefore his brothers? This critical distinction of physical and spiritual lineage is echoed by the Apostle Paul in his epistle to the Romans. But it is not as though the word of God has failed, for not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. Not all are children of Abraham because they are his offspring, but through Isaac shall your offspring be named. This means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are counted as offspring. Most people don't realize this, but it wasn't until after the resurrection that Jesus called his disciples brothers, like in John 20, verse 17, which fulfilled the words of the popular messianic psalm, Psalm 22, verse 22. In fact, scripture tells us earlier in John, chapter 7, verse 5, that Jesus' biological brothers didn't even believe him, and that's because everything had yet to be fulfilled. So now, the question is this, if Jesus' very own brothers didn't believe him, and he himself didn't call his own disciples brothers until after the resurrection, should we call those who reject and mock Christ our brothers and sisters? The answer, hopefully, is obvious, but this is what happens when we believe the lie that everyone is a child of God. The truth is the Bible says Christ's death gave us the right to be adopted into the family of God and become his children. In John 1, verse 12 through 13, it says, Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. Prior to this adoption, which is what happens when we are born again and begin a relationship with Christ, we were children of wrath from the fall and deserve nothing but God's justice. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 3-5, through five, it says, All of us who lived among them at one time, fulfilling the cravings of our flesh and indulging its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature children of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our trespasses. It is by grace you have been saved. And also in Galatians chapter 4, verse 3 through 7, it says, In the same way we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Over and over again, the Bible paints the picture of adoption and being a child of God as a spiritual reality that happens through the receiving of the Holy Spirit and obedience to Jesus. 
In Romans 8, verses 14 through 17, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may be also glorified with him. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, it reads, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God, through faith. And in Matthew chapter 12, verse 50, it says, For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And again in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16 through 17, it says, Therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So you see, my friends, the way the Bible uses the terms child of God and brother or sister is very different than how the world uses these terms. The enemy has appropriated this language through New Age teachings of universalism and watered-down love to make everyone feel nice and warm and cuddly inside because God loves them like a child. But is this what scripture actually says? The Bible says that because of Adam we are all born into a cursed world, a cursed body and into a path that leads to certain death. We have a wicked heart that cannot possibly seek after God or do what is pleasing to him because we naturally strive to serve ourselves. It is only by the irresistible and irreversible work of the Holy Spirit, which is God's grace pouring out in our lives, that we can reverse course into life and glory with God. This adoption happens because of Christ's unimaginable sacrifice on our behalf. And it's not for us to appropriate to others, but rather for God to appropriate at his discretion to whomever he wills to save. When we say that everyone is a child of God, What are we saying to Jesus? What we are saying is that we consider Stalin a brother, and by saying Stalin is a brother, we are saying we have fellowship with the likes of people like Stalin. I don't know about you, but for me personally, I have no fellowship with people who reject Christ, who mock Jesus, who rage against God, or who attack and murder his children. They are not my brothers and sisters, and they never will be unless God regenerates their hearts and brings them into his family. Only God can change the heart and turn someone into a child of the promise from a child of wrath. We cannot use our own understanding of words when it comes to terms and situations that the Bible is very clear on, because it leads into dangerous waters. It is a slap in the face to Jesus to call someone who mocks him and rejects him your brother or sister. They are a child of wrath, and they need the gospel. If they are your brother, then there is nothing more to do. And this is exactly why the enemy has used this false teaching. The devil doesn't want anyone to be saved. And so if he can convince the world's doing just fine, then there's no need to spread the gospel so that more people can be adopted. Do you see what's at stake here with this seemingly innocent idea? We were all created in God's image and deserve respect and dignity because we are God's creation and property, just like everything else. With that said, being made in God's image and being a child of God are two vastly different realities. One deserves justice because of rebellion, while the other inherits eternal life because of adoption. One needs the gospel because there is separation, while the other involves fellowship and communion with God. We cannot lift someone up to a position that they do not have. 
We can only share the gospel and let God do the rest. But remember that most people will reject the truth and go about their way. It is what it is. We must be a stand for Christ's love on the cross as best we can. But in the end, be careful with whom you call brother or sister because of what it says to Jesus. If someone loves Christ, the true Christ of the scriptures, and not the Christ of their imagination or of their religion, or the one they see in movies or that's popular on TV, but the one testified to by the Bible, and that person has put their faith and trust in him, then this person will be adopted into a family of brothers and sisters for all of eternity. Until then, they are an estranged creation, an hourglass running out of time, an inmate on death row. They need the truth that without Christ they will perish, not a pat on the back as if they've already made it to paradise. We must choose our words wisely and study what the Bible has to say about those words so that we are equipped to bring light where there is darkness and not the other way around.